Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Now, employment in Singapore continued to improve in the third quarter of last year, but retrenchments went up, led, of course, by tech firm layoffs. Overall, though, it's looking pretty good. But hiring, you must admit, it's a large investment, isn't it, for businesses? And they always want to find the right fit right from the beginning. So how can job seekers find out what employers want this year and how can they stand out in a crowded job market in certain sectors? Well, Yvonne Kong-Ho is a career futurist and workforce developer and I'm sure she can help us out today. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, hi, Brati. Good evening. Hope you are doing well. Yes, I hope you are doing well too. A happy new year. Happy New Year. I'm very high on caffeine, so I'm a very, very happy person today now. (laughs) Oh, very good. I hope you don't need it all the time, though, to stay happy. (laughs) Talking about jobs and careers, Mm. I know, makes you happy. So, when we ask the question, what do employers want? Before we get to skills Mm -hmm. and other attributes... I thought we could talk about qualifications because, you know, it seems that employers in Singapore are still quite fixated on paper qualifications. Uh, when it comes to starting pay mm-hmm. and prospects, they do still play a large part, don't they? So a lot of ITE and yeah, poly grads have been asking me, you know, maybe I should just focus on getting a degree instead of entering the job market straight away. What do you think, mm-hmm. Yvonne? You know, it is a perennial issue. And I'll be very honest, whenever I meet up with polytechnic graduates or IT graduates, I will always offer them this piece of advice that my mentor told me before. Be willing to lose a battle in order to win the war sometimes. Mm-hmm. Meaning, some of them might blindly, with all due respect to them, say that I'm going to get my degree because that's what's going to pay. But sometimes I'll ask them to hold back and I will ask them very difficult questions. Why are you getting that degree? What are you going to do in the university? And they cannot answer me because they're not very sure of what they want to grow. So qualifications, yes. I do see some enlightened employers now who actually will tell me that qualifications aside, they're willing to pay. They're willing to pay for very strong graduates or even very strong workers with not the right qualifications yet, but they are trying to hire for the attitude rather than the qualifications. Mm. How can more employers be convinced to go beyond paper qualifications? Because in some of these cases, Mm. it seems really unfair. The job scope is exactly the same as Mm. another candidate who might have a degree, exactly the same as this other candidate, but the pay is so different. The pay differential really cannot be justified, except if we just pinned it down to discrimination. So what do you think needs to be done here to get more employers to be more enlightened, as you put it? We need employers, we need parents, we need the graduates, we need the workers, we need everyone to play a part. We need legislation to come in, to be very honest. Actually, I find that if everybody comes together and we decide that there are other ways of measuring a person's capabilities, attitudes, values, mindsets, and how can we compensate that person for what that person can bring to the table, if people come together and are courageous enough to say that, Let's put the qualifications aside. Yes, it plays a part, but there are other things on the pie. There are other things on the plate that they can look at. We need to really step forth very courageously. And these people can be employers. It can be schools 
who will work together with employers as well as the government to really put a step forward and say that qualifications aside, how can we compensate our people better without the qualifications? What else can we recognise? And there are so many other things we can recognise. So let's talk about those other things because the Mm. other issue that a lot of fresh graduates bring up to Mm. me is that they have no track record, right? So they're going Mm. in just with a piece of paper, but they can find themselves highlighting certain school and academic experiences Mm. in order to illustrate their attitude towards work and so on and their Mm. way of thinking. But beyond that, what exactly should they be prepared for when an employer says, okay, let's see if you're good enough for this job, considering you have no track record? Mm. Which is why I'm a huge believer of internships, of work exposure, of strong learning through co-curricular activities. I find that employers are actually looking out for, and I've distilled it down to my mentees when I work with them, I've distilled it down to A-C-R-E, A, adaptability, Mm. B, creative problem solving, critical thinking skills, R, resilience, E, empathy. At the end of the day, the 21st century skills that we're all talking about all boils down to A-C-R-E. And when our young ones can actually show that they have the ACRE through internships, through co-curricular activities, through experiential learning, through their work exposure, actually employers will sit up and say that, hey, you have something that you can bring to the table for me. And there's also something I would like to share. It's from this gentleman, Dr. John C. Maxwell. He speaks about influence. And I tell my mentees that they can, they can actually be influential workers in the workplace, even though they think they're very young, even though they think they have nothing to bring to the table. Because influence is built on the four Cs, character, connection, commitment, and competence. They are not too young to work on the four Cs. Okay, that sounds quite empowering mm-hmm. to a great extent. Uh, what sort of tests do employers put people through these days in order to ensure mm. that they have these qualities that you're talking about? And this could be candidates of any age, doesn't matter mm. whether they're fresh grads or mid-career professionals. It's a very good question and allow me to bring you back to the four C's. So mm. actually employers are looking out for character. Character would mean that when you promise me you want to submit a piece of work to me by the end of the week, it will happen. Yeah, but that's the thing. How do mm. do you tell if a person Mm. has that when you meet him for, you know, just one or two rounds of interviews? Mm. So, for example, you know, sometimes employers can actually interview or rather they ask these questions through interviews. I find that sometimes the candidates are a bit too shy to share that. This is what I've I've done. It's something that needs a lot of coaching and I work a lot with my mentees. How do you sell without overselling? How do you kind of sell without, you know, feeling that, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just blowing my own trumpet. (laughs) Then it's a bit of training. But I always tell my mentees, actually, they have done a lot. And when I say mentees, it's not just the young ones, even the middle-aged workers, actually they have done a lot. I also find that sometimes when I speak to them, they will tend to, oh, we did this together, my team did this together. But sometimes employees want to tease out and ask, so in this team project, what was your role? And I sometimes find that we find it so hard to say, actually, this was what I did. I almost Mm. couldn't hear them saying it out there. Actually, my role was to persuade the senior managers to say yes to my proposal and I implemented it. There are techniques such as, for example, S-T-A-R. I know I'm, I'm mm. sharing a lot of acronyms, but when mm. we share about what we had done previously, it could be sharing about the situation, the task, the action, and the results. 
So when we suddenly ask a candidate, so what have you done? And they're like, I've done this, I've done that. I'm like, I'll bring them back to a framework like S-T-A-R. Mm. And I ask them, exactly what were the situations that you became a leader, even though there was no formal leadership title given to you? How did you lead? Right. How did you persuade? And how did you influence people when, for example, the morale of the team was very down situation? And what was the exact task that you performed? Mm. And then what about the action? And then eventually the results. Sometimes candidates find it very hard to share, for example, their failures. Oh, actually the results weren't good. But I encourage them to share some of their failures because through failures, if you can share a failure during an interview, it tells the employers at the interview room that you're humble, you're willing enough to admit that, yes, there were failures, but I learned. And what did you learn? It's a very good, I would say, good way of showing that you have resilience and you have felt forward. Right, right. So certainly a lot of candidates need that sort of coaching. Mm. Yeah, Selling yourself without coming off too exactly. salesy, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. And since you are a career futurist, I've got to ask you this. A lot of people yeah. have been talking about jobs of the future mm. that nobody really knows about anyway. It's just that we know there will be an evolution uh, and we have to start preparing to at least have the qualities to be able to be adaptable. But be Beyond that, how does one prepare for so-called jobs of the future? Mm, you're not the first person to ask me, Bharati. Every time I speak to someone, they'll be like, what am I preparing for? I cannot even see the end in mind, right? Yeah. I'm a huge advocate and believer of growing your skills. Grow your skills. And I remember, I believe it's what the late Steve Jobs shared. What is luck? Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. We don't know what are the opportunities ahead yet. Those are like the jobs of the future. But here we are, what we can do now is to prepare. It's our preparation. And what can we prepare in? It could be the skills. It could be the knowledge. It could be preparing yourself, preparing your attitudes, your values, your mindsets. But skills should really take precedence. Sometimes people feel very helpless. They mm. feel like there's nothing I can do. Oh no, the, the future looks so bleak. I don't know what I don't know. That's the worst thing, right? Yeah. But I always encourage them to, guess what? You know, Start with something that you don't really like. I'll give you an example. Actually, yeah. I don't really like Microsoft Excel. Okay. I mean, I can do the basics, <laughs> but when it comes to pivot tables, VLOOKUPs, oh, Mito, I'm join like, oh the my club. gosh. Yeah, you know what I mean, club, right? Yeah, but yeah. I am forcing myself to learn something that I don't like because actually when we are very uncomfortable, that's when we have the most amount of growth. Mm-hmm. Always. So I'm forcing myself this year to pick up something called, you know, advanced Microsoft Excel. Ooh. And I find that when it comes to I would say job seekers who are down, who are downcast, who are despondent. Actually, the act of learning something new gives them energy, revitalizes them and re-energizes them Mm. because it helps them to think and know that actually there's something I can do. There's something that I'm good at. It could be even for some of the job seekers who are a little older, it could be coming up with their own Instagram account. It could be starting to sell something on Carousel. For the younger job seekers, I'll encourage them to learn something new through Udemy, Coursera, even Mm. a TED Talk. Listen to a TED Talk. I make them actually do some homework for me sometimes. Listen to a TED Talk. Tell me the three most important and most, I would say, the stickiest points that you have learned from the TED Talk. Right, right. For example, yeah. And that, of course, does promote 
presentation skills, for example, yes, uh, the ability to think critically, to think actually, on the spot, yeah, right? and to isolate key points that are deserving yes. of a discourse, perhaps, yeah. Any specific advice for older workers? Because they are always in the crosshairs when it comes to discrimination. Of course, I'm making sweeping statements. I shouldn't say always, but often. So any advice for this particular group of mm-hmm. workers as we move into the future, and especially for mm-hmm. this year, where there might still be economic uncertainty moving mm-hmm. forward? I always speak to my older workers, and when I speak with them, I encourage them to build their career capital And the concept of career capital came from this gentleman called Dr. Michael Arthur. It's all about knowing how, knowing whom, and knowing why. The knowing how would be your skills. And I encourage the older workers to build on their skills. And when we speak about skills, it would be the hard skills, for example, analytic skills, for example, you know, presentation skills, even emotional intelligence, speaking to people, meeting new people, things like this in Mm. general, knowing how, knowing whom, You know, it's not really just about making friends because you want friends to help you find a job or it's not about making friends because you want to be transactional, but it's really about looking at who's around you. What can you do for them and how can you be a person where people will actually stick their necks out to help you? Right. So start off by giving instead of only wanting to take. Absolutely right. There's so much of value we can add. You know, onto other people, there's so much, there's so many things we can do to bless other people. So I believe a lot in the abundance mentality that when we help others, you know, actually it, it just is an ecosystem. I believe so much in collaboration and not competition. So the knowing whom is really important. And we all know when there are, you know, when there are connections, when there are friendships, when there are relationships, when you know someone that you care for, it's actually looking out. You will look out for that person as well, right? Right. And then last but not least is also the knowing why, which is actually very important. To my older workers, I ask them, so if you find that A, you've started to grow a bit stagnant, you're not really sure where this is going, or you can feel that there's some discrimination in the workplace, I will usually encourage them to, so ask them, why are you still staying in the workplace? What is this for? Like, how do you want to reinvent yourself? Do you want to reinvent yourself? And if you want to, so what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. And some of them, they have reached a stage of their lives where their kids are older. Yeah, the house is almost paid up for. And they're like, actually, sometimes they would tell me, actually, I've always wanted to be a photographer, for example. And, it, you know, their eyes would blink and glow. Or right. some of them would tell me, yeah, actually, I've always wanted to work with young children. Actually, I've always wanted to explore the culinary skills. Right. So no harm in trying out something new if where you are at the moment isn't quite working out. Thank you very much for your time today, Yvonne. Yvonne Kong Ho, career futurist and workforce developer. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.